Thank you, Hal. And good morning to the National Capital Bible Church. We're thankful for the opportunities that we have to meet here every Sunday or other times as well. One of the prayers that we should always have is for those that are resisted by the government or others for those who are trying to worship. And we know that this is possibly what's happening in Eastern Europe today, in Ukraine, but it also happens through the rest of the through the world at various times. And so it's important for us to pray for other believers, other churches, as we encounter them as a resistance to Christianity and our worships. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believed in him, whoever believed in him, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he that does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is a very wonderful, easy invitation because we don't have works involved. It's simply by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ who has provided for us our eternal life. His eternal life comes simply by believing in his work on the cross. Let's take a few seconds, closing our eyes, bowing our head, and I will open us in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful this morning for the opportunities that we have to gather together, to worship you, to learn more about you, and to be a church family together as we support each other. We pray for those around the world who are, who are being persecuted and those who are restricted from worshiping you. Father, we ask for your blessings upon them to preserve them. And we pray, Father, that we will continue to pray for them and realize that their determination to worship you is remarkable to us, and we must have that same determination. We ask for your blessing upon our service this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. This is our opportunity in giving to God. We're given this opportunity because it's not something that is required for us, but it is something that is willing, that is gracious for us to accomplish. Our scripture that we always follow comes from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 through 7. He was speaking to the Corinthians And he was speaking to them about giving, giving so that they would be able to support other believers. Believers at that specific time were down in Jerusalem. And he said to them, he who sows 
sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows generously will also reap generously. And so what he was trying to impress upon them was that there is a relationship here between our God and how he has blessed us. He goes on to say, each one of you should give just as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves uh, willing, a gracious giving. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the fact that you have blessed us. We're thankful that there's not a requirement here. We simply give according to the gracious understanding that we have. We ask for your blessing, Father, upon this offering. In Jesus' name, amen. As we begin our service this morning, I think it's this is the easiest time for, to, for me to, to update you on what's happening with me. I think I've said this to several people, but this is an ongoing time, I guess. As a matter of fact, I'm reminded this morning, today's the 27th of March, but it was on the 22nd of March, three years ago, that the brain tumor was discovered. And the treatments have sort of continued. And after three years of ups and downs and overs and backs, we are about where we were before. That may sound humorous or confusing, but it is a brain tumor, and it is not easily accessed. And so the treatments have been successful, and the tumor has also been somewhat successful, and it continues to try to grow. But we are about where we were. However, the MRI that I had on Thursday demonstrated from the results of the advanced radiation that the inflammation is now lessening. And that helps, I think, with me, well, I know, helps me with my speaking. And I'm not necessarily going to say I'm going to demonstrate that today, but I'm going to at least attempt it. The other is that one of the goals of the doctors is that they can bring the tumor to stability. And that's essentially where we are today. Now, that doesn't mean that that's where it's going to remain, but the tumor is either about the same or possibly a little less. And so uh, I'm thankful for your prayers and the remarkable blessings that I'm having from from the Lord. And even though I expect, uh, and many people pray for the healing of this, we know that this is probably going to continue for a while, and we'll just see how this works. So I'm thankful that I'm up here this morning, and I want to thank Mike for substituting for me, and we'll see just how well we do this morning. Now, let's turn, I always like to go to our call of worship, Psalm 63. We have a special message this morning, but 
I continue enjoy the psalm, the messages that we receive from it. I think I've mentioned this last time that we expect David, who was a king, who we know was a man after the heart of God. But he had many, many uh, problems, difficulties. And so we see so many of his psalms and how important they are to us, not just to him. And Psalm 63, we're going to to read uh, verses 1 and 2, although the rest of the psalm is important. O God, you are my God. O God, you my God. David here is seeking God's presence. We understand that God is with us every day. But David often had the sense that God was with him, and at times he was not. And so here is David calling to God. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. In other words, during a time of trouble, David seeks God's help, his comfort. And this is something that we probably seek as well. There are times in our lives when there's difficulties, adversities, and we seek God. And we are seeking him not because he is not with us, but because we are having difficulties ourselves in having our relationship with him. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. In other words, he's saying early, not necessarily early in the, in the day, but he comes to you as the need, and he comes as soon as possible. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. In other words, David is saying that he is in a dry and thirsty land. And when we hear that, we understand that there are needs And there are problems, and we never have an idea of what God is going to provide. But God will provide where there is no water. So God satisfies us in times of need. And that's where we find ourselves. Very often we are in need, and God is there to provide for us. We are in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary. And we would say in his presence, his presence to us, David would desire to go to the the temple. Uh, Here it would just be at Nob because the temple was not built. But he desired his presence to see your power and your glory. In other words, uh, he is in need. He is in need of help and protection and provision. And so as we look at Psalm 63, 1 and 2, we understand the, the need that David expresses. And we often have that same. And so as we come in worship, it's something that we understand that God is here with us and we worship him for it. This morning, we're going to do something a little different.
And that is an opportunity for us to celebrate the life of Brady Dyer. Now, men of us who are here this morning know who the parents and the grandparents, Scott and Ann Shulman, and then Trent and Lauren Dyer. This is an opportunity for us to speak about this situation. Brady Dyer was born on December the 8th, 2021. And while we might think that we would express that this individual would live for 70, 80 years, but he only lived for a few weeks. As a matter of fact, very close to 14. And I would guess that everyone who is here this morning has never met this individual, but we know him. And many of us have been praying, hopefully effectively for him. But this morning, this is going to be a little bit of a different memorial because, again, we don't have great history here for Brady, but we can learn so much from these 14 weeks about his life. And so I say that this is a celebration of life, a life of a young son, a baby, who's only been on this earth for a very brief time. But as we read through some of our passages, we will learn that even though he was only there for 14 weeks, he lived a full life. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians 5. This is the Apostle Paul teaching to the Corinthians. And this is written to adults. Adults who need this information. I think we need this information as we think about Brady, a baby that was born with, we would hope, the expectation of a normal life. But of course, that did not happen. But for us, we read this, and this should be an encouragement to us. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. This is the Apostle Paul saying, For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. What is he saying here? He's talking about a earthly body, but that in the future we would have an eternal body. And for us, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, that is our expectation, that we will move from this earthly life to body, to an eternal body. And what do we have here? What do we know? We know that while we have this expectation, Brady is already there. He already has his operation or his life with God. Verse 2, For this 
this human body, we groan. And we might think, well, we groan, but we also had a young young baby, Brady, who was going through this. We don't know how much pain he uh, experienced, but we do know that he was uncomfortable. So it says, for in this human body, we groan earnestly, desiring to be clothed with our habitation. What is that? It is the, the body that body may not have a resurrection body yet, but he's no longer in the physical body. He is a body with his Savior. So it says, for we, for in this, our body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. In other words, a body without, a soul without body. For we who are in this tent, this human body, we groan, being burdened. In other words, we have an earthly body. Not because we want to be unclothed. In other words, we're not looking for the loss of our earthly body, but further clothed sometime in the future, our resurrection body. That's our desire. And that's what we have here. Now, this is for us. This is not for Brady, but it's for us. And so as we learn uh, about Brady and we un- understand what's happening to him, we have a future ourselves. But further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life, eternal life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing, in other words, our eternal life, is God, God the Father, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. So here is God the Holy Spirit, who is our guarantee. Six, for we are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. This is Paul saying, as long as we remain here, we are absent from God, from the Lord. And so there should be a desire to be with God. He says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 8, we are confident, yes, well pleased, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. So that is our desire. But what we have in our service this morning, our celebration, is that we have a little baby who went through a very difficult time, but he is now with his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. This morning, I'd like to speak of this baby, a baby who lived only about 14 weeks. He was the baby of a couple we know well. Some of us may not know Trent and Lauren, but most of us do. As a matter of fact, I was given the privilege of performing the marriage ceremony. And I think many of you were probably there during that ceremony, celebration. This baby is their third child and even cherished. He is now in heaven with the Lord. So he is certainly cherished, but he is not here on earth. 
he is cherished even more as he is with his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Brady has been in our lives many days, even prior to the day of his birth. And how do we know that? It's because we knew what might happen in the future for him. Trent and Lauren knew that their little baby would be born with an an abnormal heart. We joined them in prayer for God's provision for Brady. As we offer these prayers, we do not know God's plan, but God has a plan, and it's a perfect plan. And I think this is so important to us. Uh, We knew that there was going to be an abnormal heart, and we prayed for it. But God was fully aware of what was going to happen. But yet his plan was perfect for this little baby. We cannot know that perfect plan because God's plan is beyond our finite understanding. Yet we are called to us to approach the throne room with our prayers. We are called to pray. God has a plan. We know that God has a plan, but we are called to pray. In fact, we are commanded to pray, and that's found in Hebrews. Let's turn to Hebrews. Hebrews 4. I'll refer to Hebrews 4 probably a couple times, but at least here. Hebrews 4:14. This is a great passage because prayer is so important to us in our spiritual lives. And it's not only an opportunity for us, but what the author of Hebrews tells us is that you are commanded to pray. Verse 14 says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest, this is the Lord Jesus Christ, who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, we must hold fast our confession, or we might say what we believe, because we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted, yet without sin. This tells us that God is fully aware of what's happening in our lives, not only what we would call as our adversities, but our weaknesses. And this is what God knows. And we have a high priest that is heaven who represents us to the Father, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Verse 16, let us therefore, and I've translated this, we must, because this is how it's understood. We must therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And there was great need here as we understood this was developing, this situation. And while we don't know the perfect plan of God, we are told to come boldly to God with our prayers. Remarkably, while we do not know God's perfect plan, there are two persons who take our prayers and present them to God. We are told that God the Holy Spirit 
regarding our prayer is our advocate, or he intercedes for us. Let's turn to Romans 8. Romans 8. Romans 8, 26. We have three members of the Godhead, and we pray to God the Father. But the other two members of the Godhead are involved in that prayer. We're told by Paul that we really don't know how to pray. But that's fine. Why? Because God, the Holy Spirit, is there. And we're told, likewise the Spirit who helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray. For we ought to. So we don't know how we should act, we actually should pray. But God, the Holy Spirit, himself makes intercession. You know, and this is so fundamental to us. We sometimes don't have any idea what God's plan is. So God, the Holy Spirit, takes our prayer and intercedes for us with what is proper. Isn't that wonderful? Why would we want to pray wrongly? God, the Holy Spirit, takes that prayer and makes it proper. It says, but the Spirit, God, the Holy Spirit himself, makes intercession for us with groaning, which cannot be uttered. Verse 27. Now, he who searched the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit. In other words, so God the Father knows the mind of the Spirit because he makes intercession for saints according to the will of God. So our prayer, while it may not be prayed properly, it becomes proper because God the Holy Spirit helps us. We read in Hebrews 4.15, which we read, that God the Son is our high priest, which is also found in Hebrews 7.25. And we won't turn there, but we are told that we have God the Son, who is our high priest. Therefore, he intercedes for us as well. Now, the way I like to see this is that we pray. God the Holy Spirit takes that and brings it to our high priest. And the high priest then brings it to the Father. So we have three members of the Godhead involved in our prayers. Now, you may not think that that's what happens to us. That's why your prayers are so important. They are there assisting us. This means that while our prayers might be uncertain, even different from God's plan, God the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, even if we don't know how to pray, and God the Son mediates our prayers to God the Father. Isn't that wonderful that our prayers, even though they may be wrongly offered, can become effective prayers? Therefore, this means that when we pray in fellowship, our prayers will be effective because God the Holy Spirit and the Son use our prayers effectively. And you know, this I think is so important to us as we think of the situation with Brady. We didn't know the future. 
We didn't know that he was going to live as we prayed prior to his birth. We didn't know that he was going to be born alive. If born alive, was he going to live a day, a week, a month? But we were praying, and all of us were probably praying differently, but we were praying in our ways. And God the Holy Spirit and the Son took those prayers and brought them to the Father. And of course, now we know the length of Brady's life. God the Father knew that, but he allowed us the opportunity to approach him with prayer. And that is what we are demand to do. Some might think this morning that our prayers are not effective or even believe that our time was wasted. But of course, that is misplaced. First, spending time with God the Father in prayer is always spiritually valuable. And the more time we spend in prayer, the more spiritual value we have in our lives. Jesus set the importance of prayer during his earthly ministry. Remember, every opportunity he had, he spent time in prayer. If he needed to pray, we desperately need prayer. But secondly, we may never know on this earth the impact that our prayers, while we prayed, privately or prayed publicly. For those who pray daily for Brady, his family, and for the medical personnel, our spiritual lives were exercised. They were applied and even obedient. Why? Because we are commanded to pray. And we were given the opportunity, an object to pray. As we ponder Brady's brief life this morning, We have been brought closer to God as we commit time and devotion to our prayers to the Father. Brady knew none of us, and we did not have a personal relationship with him. But he drew us closer to God the Father in prayer each day, and it gave us the opportunity to commit ourselves, not just to ourselves, but to others, praying for others. We committed ourselves to Brady and to his family. This is this little boy, this little baby. What did he do? He was born. And then he was essentially given to the medical personnel. But yet he was having an impact, a significant impact. Also, some might wonder Brady's eternal future because he did not have an opportunity to make a decision for Jesus as his Savior. Theologically, we say that he did not reach the age of decision or accountability. This means that he was not old enough to make a decision. We have a biblical example of a son that belonged to King David. David had a baby with Bathsheba, and we believe probably only lived seven days. 
Let's turn in our Bibles to 2 Samuel 12. 2 Samuel 12. I'm not going to read the entire context here. Most of you, I think, understand the situation. David had made a mistake. He had married Bathsheba, and they had a child. But because of David's sin, the child was not going to live. It was born alive, but it was sick. And we believe that had he lived at least eight days, he would have been given a name because he would have circumcised at that point. But we believe because we don't have a name and we're told that on the seventh day that the baby died. So we know that the baby was born and lived and died. And we realize that in those seven days, he was unable to make a decision one way or the other regarding God. But we read here, well, let me read just a little bit further here. David had a baby with Bathsheba. She died after seven days. After the son died, David said, and we find this in 2 Samuel 12, 22. 2 Samuel 12, verse 22. He had fasted and had not washed himself. He was in prayer, devoted to prayer. But we're told that the son died and the information is brought to David. And as soon as he heard, he stopped his fasting. He washed and he began his normal life. And those who were helping him, the uh, ministers that were serving him said, seems wrong here. While he was alive, you should have been enjoying his life. And when he died now, shouldn't you be fasting? And he says in verse 22, and he said, while the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me that the child may live? Because he knew he was ill. 23. But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. What that tells us is that the son that died was with God and that David is not going to be able to find at that time on the earth, but he knew that he would see him in the future. Biblically, we believe that Brady is in heaven with his Savior, with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I believe that that's absolutely true. Because of what we have addressed, and we believe that Brady is with his Savior, we celebrate his time on this earth and his passing from time to eternity. We had no way to know the time that Brady would live, but we are convinced that the number of days that he remained with us, those days were established by God. We don't know how many days God's plans were. It could have been, again, seven. 
It could have been a month. But God gave Brady 14 weeks, and God gave us those 14 days so that we could approach God in our prayers for him. Also, despair, anguish, hopeless, and discouragement can easily come to us. But God tells us that we should come to him and that we should be comforted by him. I have several passages that I would like to read. As a matter of fact, I have about six of them here. But what I think I'd like to do is turn to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 was the last passage, and that's where we'll go. It's a passage that I think most of us know, have probably read many times or heard read. And it helps us to understand God's involvement in our lives and God's involvement in Brady's life. Psalm 139, we can begin at first one, but I think we'll just jump to 13. This is the Father's involvement in these details in our lives. For you formed my inward parts. And this is David speaking about God preparing his body. For you, Father, formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. So here we have an opportunity to see that this was a a baby that was still in the mother. We knew that with Brady. But here is another situation. But this happens to all babies because God is involved in those details. Verse 14, I will praise you for I am fearful and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame, my bones, was not hidden from you when I was made in secret. In other words, in conception. And skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. We believe that this is what was very often called at that time that the woman's body was in the lowest parts. And so this is not something in down in the earth, but it was understood. As a matter of fact, I think the translation here is, is somewhat difficult, but it's with the mother. Verse 16, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, they were all written the days fashioned for me. Now, this is interesting. It says that the days were fashioned for me. Even after birth, those days have been fashioned. And they were fashioned for Brady. Those days, God knew what each one of those days was going to occur. And we were involved, praying, because... Thankful for Scott and Anne and Trent and Lauren. We were given information and we were able to pray in detail. 
So it says, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. So this is God. Verse 17. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. His thoughts for us. They're vast. His thoughts for us. And they were the same for Brady. If I should count them, in other words, these thoughts, then they would be more in number than the sand. Now, this is a figure of speech. He's simply telling us that God's involved in our thoughts and God's love, his compassion, the plan he has for us. It's beyond our ability to understand. So it says, if I should count them, the numbers, they would be more in number than the sand. They are innumerable. When I awake, I am still with you. And so this is David who sleeps and awakes and he's still with him. And this is, I think, a celebration because God allowed Brady to be born, to live, and for us to be involved in that life, a life that is now uh, in heaven with his Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And because of his life, we have been blessed. We have been blessed. And hopefully, as we grow spiritually, we are prepared for these situations, knowing that we are available for prayer in such situations. And this is a celebration of life from Brady, Brady Breyer. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful for this opportunity. We're thankful that we had the opportunity to understand who Brady was, our friends who were praying and taking care of him. We know, Father, that the details in our lives elude us. But we pray, Father, that we would continually be reminded that you are with us and that you are creating every of these days, every minutes. We pray, Father, that we will continue to thank you for what you are doing for us. And we will enjoy each and every day that you give to us. And we pray for the family of Brady. We pray for Lauren and Trent and also Scott and Ann, Lauren. We pray, Father, for those who are close to them. We ask for their comfort. And we pray, Father, that they will, in fact, praise you for what you have done. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. In Romans 15, the Apostle Paul closed one of his paragraphs with a prayer. And he says, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace by believing, that you may abound in hope by the power of God the Holy Spirit. Father, we are thankful for the details that you are in our lives. And we are thankful, Father, that we have the opportunity to approach you. And in so doing, Father, we should truly have the joy and the peace that we should have. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.